You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. That was good, right? <laughs> Seriously, I love you guys. Thank you, Liz. Let's give Liz a hand, though. Come on. Good. Thank you. Oh, man. Seriously, it is, it's good to be back together with, uh, with family. I hope that uh, over the course of the summer, I don't know why I feel like we're getting back into things. Maybe it's the fact that we're starting a new series today, um, which, is, which is bringing that. Uh, it feels like fall is here, which I, is the best season. Anybody with me? Yeah, it's the best season. We're going to have football. We're gonna, it's going to be a glorious, glorious thing. Um, so getting excited for fantasy football drafts. And all, uh, I, I don't know what else happens in, in fall. That's my fault. <laughs> yes, hunting does happen as well. Um, but it is good to be back. Uh, hopefully you, you got away for a little bit over the course of the summer. We went camping uh, for, man, it was like 10 days. And I, I feel like that, that, the mark of when you're, you're getting old is when you come back and, you, and all you can talk about, the biggest thing that happened during camping is your back started to hurt. You know, <laughs> like, oh, my shoulder, I feel like such a wimp, you know, because we didn't even sleep on the ground. We'd slept on, you know, the pop-up trailer mattress. And I'm like, oh, I'm in so much pain, you know, uh, but it was good. But I had this, this, this feeling like we're, we're driving back from the west side of the state. And have you ever been driving and you like, you can see a storm on the horizon and it's almost like you're like you're going, you're driving into the storm. Um, man, this is going to be a big bummer to, to say, but like, Honestly, as we're driving back from the west side of the state, I had that feeling. It was clear skies, but it was just like, you, you, you go camping and your only worry, your only concern is, you know, making that fire, which at times, truthfully, is a big concern. It really, it's a big one. Um, and it's always the night that you were going to like make chicken or something. It can't be, uh, well, it usually ends up being pizza night. Um, just go and order something. But I was driving back and I just felt like, oh man, you know, like there, there's a storm, you know, with with the school and election season and COVID and, and the realities of life and relationships. And I, I feel like it's something that we're all feeling. Uh, and so today, I, I want to invite us to be here together in each other's presence, which is so, it's so, so good. Like if you're watching online, we're so glad that you are, but we miss you. Like we, it, it's so good to be together. And thank you for all, for all of you that are, that are doing the social distance thing, wearing masks, putting the bracelets on, you know, like it's nobody's preference, but it's what enables us to be able to be here together like this. So thank you, uh, really, really, and truly. It's so good to be back. I just want to pray as we get going again here in the fall. Uh, would you join me? Father God, thank you for family. Thank you for relationships, God. We, there are so many pieces of us, pieces of the human experiences, pieces of you that we miss when we're not together. And so we thank you for this gift that you give us called church. And God, as, as so many of us feel this dread, of everyday life as, as we head into September, out of summer and, and some of the carefreeness that comes with it. God, as we head back to school, as we head back to work, as we head back into relationships, God, uh, there's, there's so much worry, anxiety, stress, 
exhaustion that comes with that. And God, I just pray that today would be a taste of your goodness, your goodness. You've always been faithful and you've always been good. So would we experience that here today in this building? God, I pray that people watching wherever they are, whenever they are, would experience that with whoever they're with. Your goodness, your presence, and along with that, your peace. Because you promise no matter what is going on, some of the greatest challenges, God, are actually an invitation into your peace, into your presence, into your goodness. So we thank you for your presence today. And I pray every one of those things over our time and over these people. And we all said, amen. Amen. So we are getting into this new series. Um, and I, I see a Riff shirt over here. I love that. 101 WRIF. That is girl after my own heart right here. Um, because it's like this, there's this idea of like all the great rock bands. I don't know if other genres of music do this, but like the greatest rock bands, um, like they all have this album that is self-titled. You know, I mean, The Beatles, White Album. You have nothing else to call it, it's just The White Album. Because they didn't even bother, they're, they're like, we're the, we're the Beatles. We don't even have to put a picture on here. I know there's different things about what was underneath that white, uh, but just, hey, you know what? Just put a white, cut a white piece of paper and write the Beatles. It's good enough. Self-titled, you know? Uh, Metallica, black album. Just Metallica, self-titled. Titled. Weezer, Weezer. Like some of the greatest bands, the greatest albums, they're just self-titled. And in a way, it's, I'm not comparing Paradox to the Beatles or something. This isn't my John Lennon, Lennon moment. I'm like, oh, we're bigger than Jesus or anything like that. No, no, it's not like that. What I'm saying is that many times this album is a representation of who that band is. Like, it's this moment where they say, like, this is us. Here we are. Just the Beatles. And so this series is just called Paradox. And over the next five weeks, we are going to take a look at five things that I would just say encompass the values, the, the ethos, whatever you want to call it, of who we are as a church. And, and, and it's embodied in something called paradox. Now, I don't know if you were actually paying attention to the video when we played it uh, just a, a second ago, but there was a definition of what a paradox actually is in the video. That is, that is the second biggest question that we get here at Paradox is, what, what's a paradox? Why are you called paradox? You want to know what the first one is in a strange way? Uh, well, where are you? Where are you? And to which I always respond, and this is crazy, do you know where court furniture is? <laughs> I, the answer is always yes. I don't know if you've ever stepped outside of our building and looked at it. Right, paradox is huge and orange and way up high, and that gets missed, okay? <laughs> If you're watching online, 12 and Mound, if you don't know where Paradox is, just look for court furniture. It's smaller in the corner, but you know exactly where that is, all right? That's the first question. I'm answering them all today. Second question, what is a paradox? And this is what a paradox is. A seemingly, seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. I want to put it a different way. We live in a culture that constantly demands either or. It's one or the other. You're Republican or Democrat. You're on this side or that side. There's nothing in the middle. You're either with us or against us. 
and it seems like there's no room for gray ever with anyone about anything. A paradox, though, is something that would say, well, it's actually both and. It's black and it's white. It's this and it's that. And it could be fully this and fully that, and we actually need them both. For those of you who maybe are not as familiar with the teachings of Christianity, uh, the Bible actually explains to us that Jesus was both, this is the greatest paradox of them all, he was both fully God, 100% God, here with us, among us, showing us what God is like, doing the things that God did, and Jesus was 100% a man. He dealt with everything that you and I deal with. He, he had the human experience. He was tempted as we are, and yet he was without sin. Jesus is the ultimate paradox. Fully God, yes, and fully man. Not either or, not 50-50, both 100%. And I think that some of us are tired of living in an either or culture. We're tired of the constant tension of being pulled back and forth between it can only be this or it can only be that. Because there's something inside of us that realizes, that actually knows that the reality is so much richer. It's so much fuller. And Jesus invites us into a spiritual realm called the kingdom of God. If you don't know what that looks like, we spent the whole summer, yes, the whole summer, going over Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest, greatest sermon ever preached. It's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 through 7. That is what this fullness looks like, called the kingdom of God. It's a both-and world, a both-and existence. And Jesus actually invites us into it. And is it harder? Yes. I think we live in an either-or culture because it's, it's a tweetable culture. It's, one, it's 140 characters. It's easy. I can watch it in 30 seconds or less and understand it. But Jesus says, that's not the way the world works. It's not the wholeness, the fullness of our human experience. I want to invite you into something bigger, greater, richer, called the kingdom of God. And it's a both and, not an either or. And we feel that paradox every day. Every single day, we feel that. And it's exhausting. It wears on our soul. There's, you can only be pulled in two different directions so long before you start to feel the wear and tear inside, and it breaks us. I, I came across this quote on, a, on Facebook uh, a while back. To be honest with you, I've spent the last month or so not on Facebook, and let me tell you, I highly recommend it. It's really nice. Sorry to those of you that are watching on Facebook. Uh, it's, a, it's a paradox, you know, it's both ends. There are some good things, um, but it's, it is nice. Um, but I, I came across this, this quote on Facebook, and I wanted to share it with you because it, it just exemplified this tension, this paradox that we all feel so well. And it was at just the height, the height of racial tension uh, in, in America, well, I don't know if it was in America, but certainly recently, um, in my lifetime, for, for sure, um, just a few months ago, in the wake of Ahmaud Arbery uh, and George Floyd, my friend wrote this. There's a picture and it says, racism is a heart issue. And only Jesus can change people's heart. And then, underneath that, it said this. Let's talk about why this is wrong. Now, that statement right there, I'm going to guess, does in you exactly what it did in me. I saw that, and you either have one or the other reaction. 
You either go, yep, let's talk about why that is wrong. It's not just that only Jesus can change people's heart and racism is a heart issue. We're supposed to do things. How can you possibly say that? Or maybe some of us read that, that lesson, let's talk about why this is wrong, and you're actually pretty offended that that statement just got it. If I'm going to be honest with you, honestly, I'm a little bit over here. Like I read that and I'm like, hold up a second. I'm a pastor, right? So I have, only Jesus can change. Of course, I'm on team Jesus. You know, like I can't say, let's talk about why that is wrong. So immediately we hear a statement like that and it's either or. It's like, oh man, Jesus is either the answer or he's not. Let's talk about why this is wrong. And here's, I think that she, in posting this, she feels the tension too because this is what she went on to say. This articulates my struggle, my struggle the past few weeks, but really the past few years. If you talk with her, she'd probably say her whole life. Between my Christian identity and my life force, my Jesus-driven fervor for social, racial, and economic justice. What she's saying is that she feels like there's this, this disconnect, this tension, a paradox between who she's supposed to be and how she's supposed to feel as a Christian and then everything in her that screams out for racial, social, and economic justice. There's a paradox, a pulling that these two things are different, and you're either on this team or that team, this side or this. You either see it that way or this way. She says it's many times in direct contradiction to what I'm seeing posted and shared and enacted upon in real life via Christians. Honestly, I thank God on the daily for the hope and truth only he can provide. Because that is the truth. There is only hope. There is only truth in Jesus today. And I'm going to explore that a little bit today. But there's this false dichotomy, this false paradox that our culture has set up in our broken world that says you can only do one of these things. You can either, and we, we hear this phrase all the time, if you've been around church or church people for a while, love God and love people, like it's just that simple, right? You know, like that, oh, hey, all we're supposed to do is love God and love people. You go on Instagram and there's all these celebrities that just say, hey, just love people. It's that simple. I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? You know, like... It's that simple. Guys, if we could just all love each other, oh my gosh, what an idea. You know, it's, it's not that simple. You got other people that are saying, no, 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 we got to love God. Jesus is the answer. And both of these positions, actually, I'm going to explain this in a second, both of those fall short because it's not one or the other. It is a both and. It is a paradox. And that is what Jesus invites us into when he says, the first, the greatest commandment, if you only do one thing, Love God and love people. Those are not mutually exclusive things. They go together. It's a both end. And this thing, you know, you, you may have heard that before. Uh, you know, or the, 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 great, uh, the, the great commandment, uh, just, lo just love others, treat other people the way that you're, you want to be treated. That's, guys, if you're a Christian, that's ours. And it's time for us to take that back. It's time for us to not just be known as, oh, we're the God people over here, but we're actually the people that treat others the way that we want to be treated. Not just that we don't do the things that we don't want done to us, but we actively, passionately pursue the things for others that we hope would be done to us. That's our thing, guys. That's what Jesus invites us into. That's what I want to call us to today. Because if we're honest, though, both and is hard. 
We're tempted as people to live in the either or. We naturally drift to one side or the other in things. I just want to give you a quick portrait of what this looks like. When Jesus says, hey, love God and love people, some of us drift over to the love God side. And we go, yeah, I want to love God with everything I've got. And what, what this ultimately ends up playing, maybe you're the person, maybe you know the person, that it doesn't matter what's going on. The answer is just like, I'll pray for you. God bless you, you know? And that's where it ends. It's just like, oh, bless you. That's it. They look at, they look at the problems in the world, and we just go, oh, Jesus, come soon. Oh, what a garbage place to live. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, come back. Now, hear me. I've said some of this stuff, right? But it results in this posture where we just go, well, nothing I can do. Nothing we can do. Well, people, sinful. The world, bad. God, you do your thing. I'm just going to sit in here and watch some, watch some Netflix because it's bad out there. I just want to love you, God. Praise you, Jesus. That's it. Here's where we live, right here. Love God's zone. Now, there's other people, right, come over here and go like, what? That's Christianity? That's Jesus? Forget about that. I don't need to sit around and pray. I don't need to do that stuff. Let's get out there. Let's do something. Why don't you actually make a difference? In, here, here's a meal. You're hurting? You need something? I'm not going to pray. I'm just going to give you a meal. We need education. We need to elect the proper government officials. We need to make this change or that change. We need to fund or defund the police, whatever it is. We, this camp finds a solution somewhere other than God and says it's actually this. Now, the tension, right, is that Jesus said, I want you to love God and people. So both of these things are necessary. When we live on this side and we say, we, oh, we just need to love God. People need God. It fails often to recognize wholly the value of people, both ourselves and the people that are hurting, the, pe the, the people in our world. When we just go, it's all about love God, we often fail to wholly recognize the value of people. But when all we say is all we need to do in this world is love each other, celebrity Christianity, just be nice, love people, do something good. We fail to recognize wholly the brokenness of people. We're broken people. We can't just muster it up and, and be nice enough to each other to fix the problems of the world. People are wholly broken, but wholly valuable. And Jesus invites us into that whole, it's a both-and existence Truth is, God's love makes us whole. God's love makes us whole. Nothing else. There's no system. There's no solution. There's nothing else in the world that could ever make us whole. But God makes us whole so that we can love God wholly and restore others to wholeness. It is both and. I came way undone here, but can you still hear me? Yeah? All right. We're just going to rock with it then. All right. So um, I want to pick up here, and I've already alluded to it. It's in Matthew 22. If you're following along in your Bible, you can also do that on version or on the screen. 
uh, behind you. But there are these people, there are these political and social parties, groups, um, in Jesus' day, as there are in ours, that are trying to trap Jesus into saying something either or-ish. They want him to pick a side, hopefully their side. Don't we all want Jesus on our side? That's like the trump card. Well, Jesus is on my side, so what are you really going to say? You know, all of these groups, uh, they're, they're going to see what side is Jesus on? What side is he on? And so they come to him, and they're trying to throw some hot topics at him. Taxes, resurrection, all, the, all these things that are really, really divisive, really political. And they're trying to trick him, maybe get him on their side, but maybe show him for who he is, right? This is who Jesus really is. Politicians still do this. We look at the campaigns and the ads, and you're like, oh, you like, you like so-and-so? Well, look at who they really are. This is what the groups and the, and the, the political parties of Jesus' day are trying to do to him. You can find this story in Matthew 22. There's this group of, of Pharisees, and they're like, the, they're like the love God party. Like, we just need, there's problems in the world, and the solution, we need to be better. We need to love God more. We need to have less to do with the world and all of these sick, twisted, dirty lowly people. We need to get it together and love God with everything. That's the Pharisees. Then there's these other groups, the Sadducees and the Herodians. And they're like, no, no, no. We need, we need to, if we're going to do something about the problems in the world, we either need to buddy-buddy up with the government and have problems or, you know, or have, have, have policies and things in place, uh, or we have like relationships with them at the very least. So there's these different groups that are going on. They're trying to trap Jesus, and uh, Jesus, every single time, instead of falling into the either-or trap, he's going both and. And in Matthew 22, verse 34, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. Jesus is a both-and guy. He's like, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're trying to trap him. They're like, oh, gosh, we, we, we can't do it. We, we can't pin him down into one or the other. He's not an either-or guy. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer. This is the beauty of Jesus too, right? In, because Jesus is a both-hand guy, he makes everybody mad. And some of you are feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm tired of everybody being mad at me. Welcome to the club. You're in good company at least. Because nobody likes Jesus. All right? So if nobody likes you, well, at least you're like Jesus. You know? <laughs> um, one of them, a lawyer asks him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Everything. In other words, your whole self. Jesus didn't say, love God with all of your soul or your mind, or your strength. Now, pick this up, right? The whole is everything. Everything you are, everything you got, every part of you. So if we pick this up and put it down and really, really dove in, put a microscope on this, it would be Jesus saying, I want you to love God with your body. What you do physically. I want you to get, yes, love God with your soul. Love God with your Sunday. Love God with your early morning. Love God with your family time. Love God with your wallet. Love God with your computer. Love God with what you think about all day long. Love God in your relationships. Every part of you. 
That's what I is, right? When we, say, when we say something like, I'll be there, that I denotes a whole, okay? And we know this because sometimes, especially as a guy, I've been accused of being somewhere physically, but not mentally, right? Maybe you've been there, right? You're, you're not really there. You're not actually present. Why? Because we're not wholly there. Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is with every part of you, all of the ants, holy. But the problem is, we don't have a hole to give. We're not able to do that. And it's only God's love that actually makes us whole. We're half-hearted people. We're divided. We're people that naturally tend to drift from the both ends of following Jesus into one thing or the other. We, we love this or them or that thing or that cause more. Maybe we love God with our Sunday morning, but that's it. Maybe we love God with our mental ascent, but that's it. And even in our best intentions, we fail to love God wholly with everything we are, with everything we have, with every moment that we're given. If you would say, no, 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 I, I think I'm pretty good, all right? Um, there's a dude who wrote a lot of the Bible, and his name is Paul. And I want to give, give you just for a moment what he said in the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 19. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. I want to do it. I want to be good. I want to love God with the whole thing. And if you've ever done, been there, if you've ever felt that, you are in good company. Because every person throughout all of history, the whole of human existence has been a paradox. There's a good that we know for us, for our world, and we want it, but we just can't seem to live it out all the time. Most days, I know I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor and have it all together and go to sleep with a halo around my head. I don't. I struggle greatly. Now, the, the difference is I do struggle. I do want to go there. But it's not in trying harder. It's not in just going, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love God more. I'm going to love people more. No, it's actually God's love that makes me whole. I can go to a whole lot of other things. I can even go to religion itself to try to make me whole and make me good. But it doesn't work. Some of us have gone to relationships to try to fill the hole inside of us and make us whole. It doesn't work. Some of us have, have strived to win people's approval, to advance up the corporate ladder, to make more money, to ensure a future for our kids, financial stability in our lives, some of us have turned to various addictions throughout the course of our lives, thinking that if we could chase the high, me would feel better, make us whole. The problem is none of it does. It is only God's love that makes us whole. I mentioned that I was camping. We were, we were sitting on the beach, and, and my kids love to make sandcastles. I don't know why. It, it, it's so sandy. It's so dirty. There was even a certain point where I was like, no, no more sand. I don't want to do, get dirty. Everybody just stand here. We're going to have a lot of fun. Just stand right there. And we're, we're, we're building the sand castles. And what, you know what you have to have around the castle, right? A, a, well, a sand, certainly. You, know? you have to have a moat. You've got to have a moat around the castle. Uh, or as Nora would say, a motor. 
Let's, let's put the motor around, you know? I'm like, yes. But we're building the moat, and I mean, the moat's not a moat unless there's water. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is to fill that moat with water? You can't do it. I, you, you just can't do it. I've spent hours and hours and hours trying. You cannot fill the moat. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us try to fill the moat, the hole in our heart, with different things. And at the end of the day, we just go, can't be filled. There's actually, there, there's a whole book of the Bible. It's called Wisdom Literature, where Solomon is going, I, I've, I've tried everything. It's like chasing the wind. Nothing works. Nothing fills the hole. But, but, it's not that that hole can't be filled. It's that you're trying to fill it with the wrong thing. Because in a moment, you can fill that, that hole back up with what is supposed to go there. And it's full. The sand makes it full. The holes in our lives are designed to be filled with God, with God's love. And it is only God's love that makes us whole. That is why, that is why God calls us to love him with everything that we are. Because when we do, it actually makes us whole. It's not that God is so into himself that he must be worshipped by millions upon millions throughout all of history. He's not the diva in the sky. He's divine. He is holy, set apart, perfect, full, and he invites us into relationship with him, a wholeness that actually makes us whole too. And it is then that we are actually only able to love God holy. We can't love God holy until God's love starts to make us whole. Love demands the whole. We can't say, oh yeah, I love, I love God, without loving him with every part every decision, every moment, because anything less than that is not love. It's not. It's a good try, but it's not love. It's not good enough. I mean, imagine, just put it into a human relationship, right? I love you, Gwen. Not on Sunday. You know what I mean? Hey, so Sunday, that's... Can you not be so selfish? I'm giving you six days. No, like that, you look at that and go, that's messed up. What are you talking about? No, because love demands the whole. I love you kids. Not with my time. That's mine. Messed up. It's messed up. Love demands the whole. And we can't love wholly until we've been made whole. All of our efforts come out of a place of brokenness. Even in my best efforts sometimes, I realize that I am messing people up. I'm messing my kids up. Because when I'm responding out of a place of brokenness, when I respond to my kids out of anger, when I haven't first gone to God and be like, God, would you just make this whole? I know that right now they're pricking at this part of me that wants control, full, whole control. And when I respond out of that place, instead of bringing wholeness into the world, I actually bring holes. I bring brokenness into the world. I can't love someone or something wholly until first I've gone to God and go, God, would you just make me whole? Jesus, would you just take the holes for me and make me whole? That's what Jesus did. Those holes in his hands, in his feet. He took our holes and made us whole. And we have to go there first because we have nothing to give to anyone until we've been made whole ourselves. You have nothing good to give. Maybe a part. 
but it's not love because it's not whole. God makes us whole and he calls us to give our whole self to him. Just a, just a few verses earlier, I mentioned that the Sadducees were trying to trip, trip Jesus up and the Herodians, they come to him with a, with a question about taxes. Like, hey, should we, should we pay taxes or no? You know, yeah. See, this conversation has been happening for thousands of years, right? It's, it's always political with people. And Jesus actually, he picks up a coin and he says, whose image is on this? And they go, well, that's, that's Caesar. You know, that's the, that's the president. He goes, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Let me ask you this. Whose image is on you? We are made, the Bible says that we've been made in the image of God. What that means is that in the same way that that belongs to Caesar, you belong to God. He says, give to God what is God. All of you. There's not a part of that. I always laugh when I pass by a gas station and it says that gas is, you know, 214 and there's a little nine up there. Little nine. You know what I want to do sometime? I want to go in there and put exactly one gallon in my tank and demand my one-tenth change. Right? Why bother? I don't understand. Like, that's not even possible. But what... But, we, 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 we treat ourselves like it is. We want to put a little nine at the top of our lives and go like, I, I, God, I gave you everything. No. It's not love unless it's everything. God makes us whole so that we can give our whole self back to him. God says, Jesus says, love God wholly with everything. And you can only do that when you, when you go to God and say, I can't do it. I need you to make me whole because I don't even have a whole to give. I need you. I need you every part. How do you do that? John 14, verse 15, Jesus actually explains how to do that when he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You want to love me wholly? Do, do what I'm inviting you into. Do what I'm asking you to do. He, Jesus says, I want you to pursue holiness, which is a weird churchy word. I, instead of the H-O-L-I today, I just want you to think, pursue holiness. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. With every part, with every decision, every moment, you're not going to get it right. But if Weight Watchers has taught me anything, it's, it's just picking it up the next day and going, all right, now I'm going to try again. I'm going to go at it again. Holy. Fully. But, now, this is the part, right, where if you're the Pharisees, and some of us are, we're the love God people, Hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He goes, love God with everything you got, holy. And we go, yep, that's what I thought. And they, I can almost imagine them. They turn around to walk away, and Jesus goes, and? What? What? Right? Because we're either or people. We wouldn't hear one thing. Make it simple. Where's the sound bite, Jesus? Love God. They turn around to walk away, and he goes, and? Oh, what's that? Matthew 22. And? A second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So it's not, it's, it's not complete. You can't just go away and go, oh, yeah, see, I love God. I mean, if that were the case, I mean, Jesus seemed to, to choose his words pretty, pretty intentionally, pretty wisely. If it was just love God, just let him walk away. Because if you love God enough, you're going to take care of this other part. But Jesus made a point of saying, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Because we're going to tend to forget that. We're going to tend to choose one thing or the other. And what this does is Jesus is saying, when we receive God's love, holy, it makes us whole. And we're able to give our whole self back to him every day, every moment. And what that looks like is restoring others to wholeness. What that looks like is restoring wholeness to others. We cannot do one without the other. The two are inseparable. They go together. Jesus just said, if you love me, obey my commands. He said that this is a command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people. Love my people. Love my image bearers. They're important to me. Here's how I think about this. I have kids. If my parents said, Dave, we love you. We don't like your kids. Exactly. How dare you, Jenna says. Right? You only have to be nine to realize that. But this is, listen, everybody went, <gasps> inside, right? How do, you, how do you think that God make, that makes God feel? This is what some of us say on a daily basis. God, Dad, Father, our Father in heaven, I love you. Your kids are a mess. I, I would really prefer that they weren't around. This, honestly, like, I, oh my gosh, I, I almost want to cry as I'm saying this. Like, this becomes our, some of our prayer. Jesus, would you just come back so that I can go to heaven and not have to look or think or, or, or see any of your loved people anymore. It'll just be me and you. I'm just going to close my eyes and worship, and it'll just, oh, it's just, we say this in, in songs, right? It's almost laughable. It's just me and Jesus. No other people are around. This is my, this is my biggest fans right here. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, I won't, I won't. Uh, hope, hopefully the preaching is better than the singing today. We're made whole to make others whole. And that's what love is. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite things to do uh, on a weekday, I'm rarely home at four, but if I am, I am going to watch Judge Judy. Learn so much from Judge Judy. Yeah. Justice. She's about justice. And, and there's always one, she has one goal in mind. This is what I've learned about justice from Judge Judy. She has one goal in mind, and it's this, to make people whole. And you'll, you'll hear it in just these little parts. She, we'll just say, all right, here's my decision. You're whole, you're whole. And what she means is that people show up in court because there's been a loss. There's a hole in something. Their time, their, their wallet, usually. There, there's been some sort of damage done, a loss, a hole. And it is her aim to make justice happen, to make people as close as they can, whole again. That is her aim. That's not just justice. Today, friends, I, I want you to hear it. That is love. What if the aim of our lives was to, out of a place of our own wholeness, restore wholeness to people, restore wholeness to situations, restore wholeness to people groups, restore wholeness to society, that is the why behind the what. That is why God makes us whole. Not so that we can just sit over here 
as, as whole pieces, valuable pieces, amongst broken, messy ones. But no, so that we can turn around and start participating in God's wholeness-restoring mission in the world. More of your kingdom where wholeness is being restored. 1 John 4 says it this way, starting in verse 20. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Just let that sink in for a second. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has, has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome. This is not a burden. This is a free way of living, a whole way of living, a joyful way of living. So many of the stresses and the exhaustion and the overwhelmness and the brokenness that we experience on a daily basis is because we are not going to God and going, God, just make me whole. I want to live out holy for you, and I want to love other people holy. Instead, we participate in the brokenness, and it makes our life harder. It makes it burdensome. I wanted to close with this today because this has been, become an image for me of exactly this principle at work. This, uh, I've been joking around this morning. This is white Jesus, all right? He's got, he's got I'm not saying that Jesus is white. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of this, okay? Uh, he's got the long flowing hair and the robe and everything, and he's got little kids around him, and the longer you look at it, the creeper, creepier it kind of becomes, uh, to be honest with you. He's like, he's got a fish, and in a way, I feel like he's like, hey, kids, you want a fish? You know, so it's a little bit weird, but it's a little bit beautiful. And that's why, that's why it was given to me, and that's why I have it to this day, because it's valuable to me. It's valuable. Yeah, sure, it's creepy. It's, it's, it's not accurate, but it is valuable to me. My parents gave me this when I got into ministry uh, as kind of a portrait of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm feeding God's children, you know? And so it was so important that I put it right on the corner of my desk for a long time. And you know what happens when you put things on the corner of your desk? They fall off the desk. I remember the moment when I bumped into it, and it's like you, you have those moments where time stands still, and, and like you almost go into slow motion. You're like, no. I, I swear, like... I felt like I was in the matrix. Like, I don't know how my hands were moving that fast, but I couldn't catch it as it fell the three feet off of my desk, and it broke, and it shattered into a bunch of pieces. Now, if this were just creepy, if this were just inaccurate, if this were just some trinket, I wouldn't have wasted the time to bend down and begin to pick up the pieces and slowly, painstakingly, messily put them back together. Why? Because this is valuable. It is broken. If you look at this, there's, there's a hole in Jesus' head. Uh, I don't know what's going on here in the shoulder. It is, it is imperfect. It is messy. It is broken. And there's no denying that. But what other would, people would see as garbage, I see is very, very valuable. And I, I want to challenge you today, when, when Jesus invites us to love God and love people, 
and he invites us into wholeness, it is because people, you, me, the people in your life every day are very, very broken. Sometimes creepy. A lot messy. But because you're so valuable. This is what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world. For God so loved me. For God so loved you that he sent Jesus to kneel down, to come down into our broken, messy world, get his hands dirty, and begin to pick up the broken pieces of your life and put them back together. You are messy. You are broken. That's why we started Paradox, so that you could have a place where messy, broken, imperfect people could come as they are and begin to have the pieces put back together by a God who makes us whole. That's why we're here. And to, later on today, you're going to be able to see baptisms, which, which is a, a public expression. It's people standing up and going, yes, I love God with everything I have, my whole self, because he's made me whole again. I've experienced that. And now, I want to turn around and be like God in whose image I am made by turning around and starting to pick up the broken, messy, creepy pieces of people's lives around me and put them back together and restore them to the wholeness that I've found. We only do that as we make Jesus the king, the king of our hearts. Say, God, I... I Make me whole. God, I, I want to love you wholly. I want to make other people whole. If there's any part of that that rings true with you, I want to invite you over the course of this next song, maybe that means that you're just going to sit down and talk with God for the first time. It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to know what to say. If you'd like some help, if there's a place that's just rubbing right now, I want to invite you to walk right out those doors. Pray with somebody. You're gonna, we'll, we'll stay six feet away. We'll do the mask thing, you know? But there's actually healing. The Bible says that there's healing when we involve other people. Where two or three are gathered, God's there. When we confess to each other, God brings healing. I want to invite you to step up. Step out. Make today the day where you start to say, God, make me whole again. I want to invite other people. Would you start to pick up the pieces? If you're online, you can, you can text in. We would love to pray with you as well. Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.